Hi, my name is MJ Antu and welcome to Zion Church. Our mission at Zion is to create spaces for God to dwell and for hearts to be transformed by the love of Jesus. This is why we meet in person every first and third Sunday of every month and online every second and fourth Sunday. You can find our times and locations by going to zionchurch.live. We do this because we believe there's something deeply powerful when we all gather together to lift up the name of Jesus, but also when we meet at homes, break bread, and watch church with our church community. We are creating spaces for God to dwell. If you're looking for a church community or are wanting to take your next steps in your life or feeling led to partner with the mission of Zion, there are two ways to do so. The first one, you can join the Zion launch team. As we continue to engage and serve our community both in person and online, we are needing people like you. Second, you can become a financial supporter. We understand that God has given richly towards us, so it is our privilege to give back to Him so that we can serve others. Every dollar you sow is used to better serve our community. If you're wanting to join the Zion launch team or become a financial supporter, you can go to zionchurch.live slash next. On behalf of our entire Zion family, we want to say thank you. All right, let's get ready to hear a powerful message from God today. Hey, Zion Church, I'm so glad to be a part of your day today. Let me just go off and say this, that I love your pastors, Pastors Apoc and MJ. Some of my dearest friends, some of my best friends, I honor them today and I honor you. Uh, so thank you so much, Pastor Apoc, for allowing me to speak to Zion Church today. I am absolutely thrilled to be able to do so. So I love you guys. I pray for you all continually. And and so just again, let me allow to share the word of the Lord with you. I've been in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, just reading through the Old Testament and some of the New Testament, and God has just been speaking to me uh, through the the Old Testament, and especially here through the book of 1 Samuel. And so I would like to direct your attention to 1 Samuel chapter number 14, 1 Samuel number 14, and I'm going to read verses 1, then I'm going to skip down to verses 4 through verse 8. And so once again, thank you guys for allowing me to speak to you. And I just pray that for the next several minutes that God would use me to speak to you and encourage you on today. So this is what the book of First Samuel, the Bible says in First Samuel chapter number 14 and verse number one. Uh, one day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Jumping down to verse number four. It says this, to reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs uh, that were called Bozes and Sina. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. Uh, one translation says, let's go across to the outpost of those uncircumcised Philistines. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps the Lord will help us. It's, it's, it's important to notice these two things that I just pointed out. Perhaps, uh, Jonathan said, but before that, um, he was emphasizing that 
the Philistines did not have a covenant with God, but Jonathan, his armor bearer, the people of God had that covenant, had that pact with God. And so he makes that distinction there. And he goes on to say, perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer said. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then, Jonathan's told them, we will cross over and let them see us. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, I'm going to talk to you for, several, for the next several minutes under this theme, a perhaps kind of faith, a perhaps kind of faith. I was talking to Peyton. She works alongside my wife and I here at Vita. And uh, I was just telling her what I was going to speak about. And she she's from uh, the Midwest. She moved down here to South Mississippi, where Julie and I planted Vida. And uh, she said, you know what, Pastor Dave, uh, moving down here to the South was kind of a perhaps kind of thing for me. She said, because I didn't know anybody. And it's true. She didn't know. We didn't really didn't know her. And she didn't know us. And and she was just going on a step of faith. She said, perhaps God will be with me. Perhaps um, he, he He won't. And I remember when Julie and I first started Vita 11 years ago, here we were uh, about to launch to start a Spanish church and um, here in South Mississippi. And I, I was just upset with God. I was like, God, why did you call us to uh, back to LA? That, that's where I'm from. I was born in Riverside, not too far from where you guys are at. Uh, right there off the 60, the 91. I know all that very, very, very well. Um, and um, and so God, why don't you call us back to uh, to California? Why don't you call us to uh, to maybe a popular a place where a large Hispanic population was? But God called us to uh, South Mississippi and Hattiesburg. And uh, I remember talking to my pastor at that time, and I said, "Hey, pastor," I said, "Perhaps uh, we could come back." <laughs> If it doesn't work out, I don't know if you've ever been there before where you've asked God, maybe, maybe you're asking me to do something. Maybe you're not. And it's, it's this, it's this thing where you have to step out in faith. And it's this, it's this faith where you, you're saying, I want to believe, but I don't know if I can believe, you know, uh, and I'll be honest with you guys today, you know, with pastoring, uh, pastor Apoc will tell you this, there's, there's sometimes Maybe he's a better pastor than I. I believe he is a better pastor than I am. But there's sometimes where I'm still trying to figure out this pastoring thing where I'm saying, you know, I don't know if what I'm doing is the right thing. I don't know uh, if what I'm speaking on or, or, or the series that we're in is the right series for uh, for our church. But I, I, I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm asking God to give me direction. And I think I've heard from God. But maybe it could just be that I ate too much Domino's pizza the night before and I'm awake and I got heartburn. I'm like, oh, my God, is that you, God, or is that you, pizza? Well, which one is it, you know? Uh, but, but I'm trying to figure this thing out, right? And, and you know, when you, whenever you, 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 you count up 30 to 40 sermons a year, not counting Bible studies, not counting one-on-one uh, -on -one counseling and, and just counseling with family members, it it becomes burdensome. It becomes overwhelming. And, and there's a lot of times where I'm just trying to figure out, God, are you, are you with me? Or are you not, you know, are, are you, and I don't know if you've ever been there before and just struggling with, 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 with businesses and, 
parenthood and 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 serving in your church and you're saying god um are you are you really there with me i think that if i were to send out a poll to you today uh, i think the majority of us would say that there's been several times in our lives where we were not 100% sure if what we were doing was the right thing to do, right? I remember when we first started out, when Julie and I first started out pastoring and, and we would be uh, uh, have special events or special services and we'd be stressed out. It'd just be her and I, maybe just a few team members there. And, and here we were trying to, trying to figure this thing out and and uh, we would lay down at the end of the day, and man, it was a smashing success. And we would look at each other and giggle and laugh, and like, what in the world? Just how did that happen? How did that? How did we pull that off? And 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 the only answer that was given and continues to be the right answer is that it wasn't that we pulled it off, but it was that God was in the middle. You see, many people don't want to move. They don't want to do anything without a sign from God. God, you got to speak to me. I got to hear an audible voice. But, but can I say that asking God for a sign isn't necessarily having faith, okay? Because the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Having faith is walking or moving towards God, and you're not 100% sure if I should be walking on this water the way Peter began to walk on water when God called him out of the boat. Several years ago, I, I began to say this, and, and I continue to say it throughout just my ministry, throughout counseling, and that's this, that fear is not the absence of faith. Many people say that, man, fear is the absence of faith. I begin to look at that a, a bit differently, and I begin to say that faith, well, hear me today, faith is having fear but choosing to walk towards what God is calling us to do. Amen. Faith is having a little bit of trepidation in your soul, is having a little bit of hesitation in your walk and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not entirely too sure if I should step outside of the boat using that, that, that example of Peter again. I'm not sure if I should just step outside of the boat because I've never walked on water. That's defined the laws of physics. But God, if you're walking on water and if you're calling me, I'm going to be afraid, but I'm also going to have faith. Come on, somebody. And that's what God is calling us to do and calling you to do, Zion, is to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. That's why the apostle James said in his letter in chapter number two, he said that, that faith without works is dead. Faith isn't walking by what you feel, by what you see, but it's walking or acting in accordance to the promise that God is with me. Come on, somebody, give the Lord an, an amen. Uh, because, because we know that God is with us, correct? We know because that's in, in, in his word. That's what he told us. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And when I try to make a faith in my, my faith into a formula, that's when it loses value to me. That's when I have to do X, Y, Z in order for God to see me. Come on, somebody. I wasn't even trying to rhyme, but it just came out. Amen. 
But I need the kind of faith that is patient with the mysterious. I need the kind of faith, amen, that can stand in the face of adversity. I need the kind of faith that can have hope when there is no hope. And so what you and I need is a perhaps kind of faith. And that's where our text today finds us in 1 Samuel chapter number 14. Jonathan's father, King Saul, is sitting under a pomegranate tree with 600 of his men. And the scripture gives us further information in verse uh, number three, and we didn't read it today, that Ahijah the priest was also with the king, and he had on the priestly vest, or he had on the ephod. Again, as I mentioned to you, I'm, I'm, I'm currently in the book of 1 Samuel. I'm a little bit past 1 Samuel number 14. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm currently in, in chapter number 22, and and uh, the Bible tells us that any time that the priest would have on the ephod, that was because he was ready to hear from God. Okay, he was ready to listen to what God was going to say. And only the priest was, was able to put on this garment. And Exodus chapter number 28 tells us that the name of the tribe, the 12 tribes of Israel were etched on precious stones and placed on or in this ephod, okay? But behind the 12 stones, there were two other stones that, that are called the Urim and the Thummim, which means light and perfection. And God spoke to his people concerning his will through these two precious stones and whenever the priest had on this ephod, this ephod. It's important for me to give you this information because what scripture is telling us is that instead of seeking the will of God, instead of trying to hear from God, right, the king and the priest were sitting underneath a tree. Hear me today. Be careful of becoming too comfortable with the position and possessions that God has given you. Okay, because many times we mistake the blessings of God as saying, hey, you know what? I have arrived. I don't have to pray anymore. I don't have to seek God anymore. I don't have to serve anymore. I don't have to go to church anymore. My kids don't have to go uh, and listen to the word of God anymore. And because when you lose the ability to hear the voice of God, that's when the voice of worry comes in. That's when the voice of anxiety comes in. That's when the voice of, 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 of just the enemy comes in and tells you that you're not going to make it. That will tell you that you always will be a failure. That will tell you that look at your mom and your dad. Look at your grandfather. Look how they are. Look how they're strung out they are. Look how chaotic uh, your family is. Look how toxic your brother is. Look, I mean, it'll go on and on and on. And that's because... We've become accustomed to the blessings of God. And so this isn't the time to sit under the tree of complacency. This isn't the time to, uh, to sit on the tree to say, you know what? One day, God, I will seek your face. One day, I'm, I'm going to go back to church. This isn't the time to sit under the tree of indecisiveness. But you have to decide today, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This isn't the time to sit under the tree of apathy and say, you know what? All churches are the same or all pastors are the same. This 
isn't the time to sit under the tree of carnality and the tree of worldliness. And, and But the, because the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, for I am a holy and righteous and true God. But you have to get under, you have to get under, out of that tree to say, God, I want to hear what you're telling me. What you have to do is get up out of the shade of that tree and declare what Jonathan said whenever we read it in verse number one. Come on and let us go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. It didn't matter to Jonathan that, 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 that his daddy was sitting underneath the tree. It didn't matter that the preacher of that time uh, or the pastor wasn't consecrated the way that he should have been. But Jonathan decided that he needed to do something. And then he told his armor bearer something powerful that I think will help someone today. He said, perhaps in verse number six, perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. Perhaps the Lord will be with me today. I love that. What if God is with me today? You see, I, I tell people this a lot of times when they come and sit across from me and they're seeking counsel because apart from counseling, apart from pastoring, I'm sorry, I do. I'm, I'm a licensed therapist. And so I, I, I help people all the time, people that are uh, with anxiety, with, with all types of different things. And, and a lot of times when they come to see me, especially the folks that have anxiety, they have. Uh, they always play the what if game. What if this happens to me? What if my marriage fails? What if my son gets sick? What if? And, and they always say and tell me what if. But I tell them this, that what if has two sides. That what if one of the sides is negative. What if my child gets sick if he goes to school, right? Because that's where the majority of sickness happens anyway, is in the classroom. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I tell them this, but what if he doesn't? What if he does get sick? That is a possibility. But what if he doesn't? What if it does work out? What if your son does come back home? What if you're able to reach your community? What if, right? Because what if has two sides? And so this is where Jonathan was. He said, perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. There's been some times in my life where I beat myself up. Because I haven't had an all-in type of faith, okay? I don't have all the faith it takes to move mountains. I don't have all the faith that will cause walls to fall down. And a lot of times I feel like I'm failing God. But I've come to the realization of this, that this kind of thinking is erroneous. Because what I'm telling God is that my healing is dependent on me. My freedom is dependent on me. Everything is dependent on my faith and not necessarily on God's grace. But when I read the words like what Jonathan said, and he says, perhaps the Lord is on my side. Perhaps the Lord will help us because that encourages me because whether God moves or not, I know that he is still God. And maybe he won't do what we want. Come on, somebody. And But I can have the faith and confidence to know that he will give me what I need. Maybe you're desiring something. Maybe you're wanting something. Oh, perhaps God is with us. But perhaps God is not going to give you what you want. But perhaps God is going to give you what you need. I hope this word is helping someone who has been praying and it seems as if God isn't hearing your prayer. I know that there are 
people here who have had moments in, in your prayer time where you've said, perhaps the Lord will help us. Perhaps God will be with us. Perhaps God will give a growth to our church. And you continue to believe. You continue to pray. You continue to worship. And you don't know if God will show up or not. But can I encourage someone today with the rest of that verse that says, perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing. Come on, somebody shout, turn to your neighbor and say, for nothing. Come on, say, for nothing can hinder the Lord. There is nothing that can stop God. There is no devil in hell that is too powerful to stop God. Come on. There is no sickness too great that God cannot heal. There is no mountain too high that God cannot jump over or crush under his feet. Come on. There is nothing that can hinder the Lord for he can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only if he has a few. Amen. I don't know who needs to hear this on today. But maybe you don't need the kind of faith that moves mountains. All you need is a perhaps kind of faith. A faith that will say, maybe God will answer my prayer or not, but I'm still going to believe and pray. A faith that will say, I know that my family has been facing adversity, but I know what the Bible says, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Yes, the enemy will come against me. Yes, the weapon will be formed to attack my family. But can I tell someone today that the Bible says that it will not prosper because I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus and through Christ Jesus. I need someone today that will testify and say, I'm going to have the kind of faith that will say that even though right now I'm traversing through the darkest valley in my life, I, as the Bible says in Psalms 23, I will not fear any evil because I know that you are with me because thy rod and thy staff, they comforteth me. I need someone that will have the kind of faith that will declare, although my body is wrecked with sickness, I will worship my God because I know that the Bible says in Isaiah that by his stripes we are healed and he continues to be a healer. Come on, right where you at. Can you just lift up your hands and say, thank you, God, because I know you are a healer. Thank you, Jesus, because I know you are a provider. Thank you, God, because I know that you will give me what I need in my life. Amen. This is what a perhaps kind of faith looks like. Amen. Perhaps God will be with us. Perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. You see, many times in Scripture, we find that God uses a perhaps to bring his people to victory. And many times God uses ordinary people with ordinary things. And I believe that sometimes we think that we have to have a special gift from God, right? Or we have to have a special name or, or whatever it is to, so that God can use us. But the truth is this, that even when we don't have extraordinary faith, because Jesus even says so himself, that even if you have a faith as a grain of a mustard seed, there's nothing extraordinary about the size of a mustard seed. As a matter of fact, it's actually ordinary. But when I look at the book of Judges, chapter number five, and it tells the story of Deborah uh, and, and, and the story of Sisera and how he escapes uh, from, from Barak and how he escapes from Deborah and Sisera. 
this this mighty commander escapes and he finds himself on the backside of a desert and he finds a tent and a, and, and a young lady there by the name of JL. He, he's so exhausted and, and she gives him a cup of cold milk and she, she says, why don't you just rest right here in, in my tent? There's nothing ordinary about that. She's just an ordinary tent dweller. She she puts up her tents uh, and she travels. She's a nomad. She just travels from here to there, taking care of 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 of, of her of her livestock. Nothing ordinary about that. And so this enemy commander comes into her tent, and she looks at what she has. She has milk. She has a hammer, and she has a wooden tent peg. She knows that. That he's been fighting against God and against the people of God. So what does she do? She grabs the ordinary thing that's around her and she and she pierced, the Bible says, Sisera's head. And she saves the people of God. And the Bible goes on, goes on to say there was peace in the land for 40 years. That was nothing extraordinary about that. That was actually ordinary. But God used that perhaps moment to save the people of God. Or what about in Judges chapter number 3 and verse 31? One of my favorite scriptures. It's only one verse that the Bible gives Shamgar. The Bible says that Shamgar rescued Israel by killing 600 Philistines with an ox goad or a cattle prod. That's nothing ordinary. An ox goad is simply a, a, a about a... Uh, a five to six foot long stick, maybe a little longer, that was very sharp on the edge that would just go to, or make the cattle or make the oxen go along. I know some parents are saying, hey, can I get one for my kids because I could get them to clean their room? Come on, somebody. Or do something along those lines. Amen. But he rescued Israel, the Bible says, with only an ox goad, Right. Or what about Moses' staff? There was nothing extraordinary about Moses' staff. But whenever he placed that into God's hands and God used him, he was, Moses was able to lift up that rod over the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted. You know, you got to ask yourself this question. And I, I'm asking you today, what is already in your hands and at your disposal that perhaps God can use to bring you to victory, to bring your family to a place of reconciliation, to bring your community to a place of revival. What are your natural talents and abilities that God can use to bless his people? You see, many wait for the right moment. Many wait for the big stage and the lights to move. But God is seeking a people today, Zion, hear me today, who have a perhaps kind of faith that will say what Jonathan said, perhaps the Lord will save us. And the reason I believe that the Lord uses or used ordinary things in the Bible was to remind Israel over and over again that their security wasn't in their military might. It didn't come from their weapons or it didn't come from their own strength. But their military might was in the fact that God fought their battles for them. You have to understand today, Zion, that it's not your strength. It's not your abilities. It's not your power that brings you victory, but your success, your victory only comes from the Lord. That's why Zechariah declared, it's not by might 
and it's not by my power, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And I close with this. The Bible, in the Bible, we have a story of one of the most ordinary things, which in reality made no sense at all. How was it possible to confront the most powerful army in the then known world with something so ordinary? We see Rome, the most powerful forces, uh, uh, armed forces of the day, gathered all of its mighty troops to inspect one man, the king of Israel. And you see this dichotomy. They're armed, but he's stripped down to nothing. They come with swords and spears, but he comes in the name of the Lord. They come with the most advanced weapons of their time, but he comes carrying a piece of wood upon his shoulders. And when at last this man breathes his final breath, something amazing happened. What looked like madness and lifeless actually brought life to lifeless souls. And at the end of the day, these mighty soldiers were no rival for the ordinary carpenter that was hung, hanging on the cross. And on that day, Jesus crushed the head of his enemy. And it's through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that you and I now have life and we can have it more abundantly because now you and I can have purpose. So return to the text. The Bible says in verse number four that they had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sina. Bozes means slippery and Sina means thorny. Maybe you find yourself in that place today between a slippery place and a thorny place. You're saying, God, are, are you really with me? And you find yourself almost slipping or you find yourself getting caught in, those, in, in, in the thicket, in those thorns. What are some areas of your life that you feel like are slippery, that you feel are kind of, you know what, if I, if I, if I move too far to the right or to the left, I'm going to get some thorns stuck in me and boy, it's going to hurt. Could it be that you're in between giving your life to God or staying in the same situation that you're in? Could it be that God is calling you to step out in faith, but you find yourself under the tree of comfort like King Saul and the priest? Could it be that God is asking you what is in your hands, but you're afraid of letting God take the ordinary thing and make it extraordinary? If you have a perhaps kind of faith, can I tell you today that that's, that's enough faith for God to to use to move on your behalf. And looking at verse number seven, Jonathan told his armor bearer, hey, let's go to the other side. Perhaps the Lord will be with us. And look what his armor bearer said. He says, do what you think is best. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. I am with you, whatever you decide. I just feel in my spirit that 
that Zion is, uh, is on the precipice of obtaining that victory that you've been praying for, of receiving that blessing that y'all have been just desire, desiring for. You guys are about to, to, to step into just a, a, a new anointing, a new calling. But you know what Zion needs? You know what your pastors need at this moment? They need people like this armor bearer that will tell them, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm going to support you. I, I'm going to support the vision. I'm going to give of my time, of my talent, of my treasure. Let's go forward in Jesus' name because God will give us the victory. But you know what else? You need each other as well. You need each other as well because the Bible says that two are better than one. That's what it means to have a perhaps kind of faith. Let me pray over you at this moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for allowing me the opportunity to preach to this wonderful congregation, to this wonderful church, which is your church, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, because you have reminded us today that, that all we need is the kind of faith that Jonathan had that said, perhaps the Lord will be with us. And Lord, on that day, you gave Jonathan and his armor bearer great victory. And so today, Lord, I'm praying over Zion Church. I'm praying that in Jesus' name, that you will give them the victory that they're after. That you will give them, Lord, uh, that, that blessing that they're, that they're pursuing Jesus. And, and it could be that, they, that many of, of Zion Church, or it just could be a couple, or they find themselves between a rocky place and a slippery place. And they don't know, Lord, if they should, if they should embark on this journey. Or maybe there's people that, that have been going to Zion now for several months now, and they're, they're, they're undecided of what the next step should be. Maybe that, that, that should be a discipleship course. Maybe that should be uh, going into, into some type of, of, of next steps uh, class. God, I just pray that in the name of Jesus, whatever it is, that you would give those individuals the strength, the fortitude to step out of that slippery place, to step out of that, that thorny place. Because we know, God, that victory is simply on the other side. And I pray for Zion Church. I pray over pastors APOC and MJ, Lord. I pray a covering over them in Jesus' name. I pray your blessing over them, God, because I know that great things are coming to them in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. May God richly bless you.